0: So today is uh, Shavuot, or Pentecost. And um, I think that this message is going to be one of those ones where you may want to chronicle or download and keep on file for when you're interacting with people who are curious about the Holy Spirit, uh, and especially when you're young people, when you're kids, start to come of an age when they're interacting and asking questions. Um, Because um, it is time, and I've done this, but it's time yet again, uh, to give some clarity on what's going on and what is the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Um, I wasn't going to do this, but this is the Lord, because uh, Michelle was, was saying to me earlier this week, um, you know, there's some people, are, you know, I think are asking some questions about what the Lord has been doing these last several weeks. Um, the Lord has been showing up in, in new ways for some of us. Uh, and it's important for us to lay down language and understanding um, for people to have an understanding of, like, well, what is really going on with the notion of the Holy Spirit and some of sometimes emotional things that take place? Um, so today is is in part that I want to begin with a question. Why am I sitting? I've never done this before. Got <laughs> to make it quick. I mean, you know, the church is going go on for a long time. Uh, the reason why I'm sitting is this. Uh, I feel that a lot of times when um, teachers or preachers discuss the Holy Spirit, there is a tendency to preach at you. And I really want to make sure for this message that it's not that. It's not of how come you don't speak in tongues kind of thing. And more of an educational platform of, hey, let's, let's really get into this in a little bit of more of a biblical theological manner and remove the, the, some of the emotionalism uh, that may push some people into a place of, of not understanding. So that's really why I'm sitting, if I can. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this, I'll be quite honest. Already <laughs> I'm like, this feels very awkward. So Pentecost um, is a Greek word meaning essentially um, seven weeks. And uh, Shavuot is the same thing in Hebrew. And what we have here is a biblical festival that takes place in the Older Testament, which is then made manifest in the book of Acts yet again. And so to understand this, uh, let's just read uh, what occurs in the book of Acts real quickly. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 it says, but you, this is uh, the Lord speaking, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Uh, And then in Acts chapter 2 verse 1 through 4 is the little bit more sensitive part that people don't like to really engage in and that is when the day of Shavuot Uh, what is you know this connection uh, to a holiday that is found in the, in, in essentially Exodus and Leviticus? Uh, what is its connection to this New Testament understanding of the falling of the, of the Holy Spirit? Well, Shavuot, Pentecost, uh, in uh, the Book of Exodus and Leviticus, uh, is a harvest celebration. Okay, that happens. Uh, it takes place seven weeks after Passover. We did the whole counting of the Omar message here, if you guys remember. And then the day of waiting is over. Today is the day of the manifestation of the waiting. The harvest comes in, the harvest is ripe. And what's interesting here is this. Uh, in the New Testament context, the Holy Spirit comes to bring a new level of intimacy. Intimacy. Intimacy brings an increase of the power of the Lord in your life. And then the new level of this intimacy and the new level of power brings a greater harvest of the gospel. When the Holy Spirit falls in your life, there is the ability and spiritual giftings that will allow you to, one, probably the most important thing, have greater intimacy with the Lord. And two, to bring forth a greater level of the harvest. And that's the connection that's going on here. So, you know, why, why is this something that needs to be taught? Well, because it's very important. And part of the reason here is this. Um, if you were going to leave a loved one, and you were never going to see them again, until you saw them and were reunited with them in heaven, what would be the last thing that you would say to them? I love you. It's interesting. Jesus says something to all of us and the disciples before he goes to heaven. The last thing Yeshua, Jesus, speaks to people on earth is something. And we have to get into that. Ooh, right? Dun, dun, dun. Um. Let's take a look here. Why am I sitting down? Why am I doing things this way? And why am I teaching in a very different Dave style? Uh, Because it's very important, because uh, the Holy Spirit has been misunderstood, misinterpreted, and misrepresented. And because of that, uh, the devil has had his way, and essentially there are believers all across planet Earth that say, You know what? I don't have anything to do with this Holy Spirit stuff, because he has been misunderstood, misinterpreted, and misrepresented. Um, and that is done even in Pentecostal ser- uh, uh, circles and, and has been done to some of us. Alright, so what do I mean by this? First thing is uh, being misunderstood. There has been a notion of understanding, a misunderstanding, that the Holy Spirit is an electrical force that is to be summoned up and He's going to give you whatever you want. He's not an electrical force, He's a being. Jesus says, I am going to go to the Father, and He's going to send the Comforter to you. He is referred to as a He. He is a being, He's not just this Spirit. He is a Spirit, but He's a being, He's a part of the Godhead. Uh, So He is with us always, so He doesn't have to be summoned up. And the Holy Spirit's not going to just give you whatever you want because the heart of man is, (laughs) is, is, is evil. And is confused. So he's not, that's not what he is, right? Like this, well, like, I wish that I get this, so please give it to me. Uh, misinterpreted. Uh, this is done uh, mostly by uh, some of our mainline kind of denominational churches and even some evangelical churches. And uh, that he's misinterpreted uh, that he is only the spirit that is to give you comfort and counsel. He is the spirit that gives comfort and counsel. We see that in the book of Isaiah. But that's not the only thing he is. What else is he? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says what he is also in addition to counsel and comfort. Uh, He is also the one who gives certain spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, of wisdom and counsel and knowledge. Those are the safe giftings. That everyone's okay with. Uh, But then he is also the one who gives spiritual giftings of tongues, prophecy, signs, wonders, and miracles. Those are ones that people are largely not comfortable with. So he's misinterpreted even by well-meaning people. Well, the Holy Spirit is here to give you counsel, give you comfort. That's true. So true. But the full gospel and the full Bible says, but he's also here to give you tongues. And prophecy. And fire. And boldness. Wisdom, counsel as well. He is uh, misrepresented. This is the one that probably does the most harm. This is the hyper-emotionalism, theatrics, the tele-evangelist, where you're just like, this doesn't seem right. Now, what I mean by hyper-emotionalism, we have to be careful of. Because the Holy Spirit can and does often bring emotion. Emotion and emotionalism is different. Emotion is a response. Emotionalism is to try to get a response from people. Let's say this again. Emotion is a response that you have from the Lord. Emotionalism is I'm going to do emotion to try to elicit a response from people and things. And it's a very, very important difference because... When you are watching some people on TV, it's not all people, but come on, you know when you're seeing things, you're like, something's off here. This doesn't seem right. Something inside of you is like, I don't know about this. And so what happens here is that kind of misrepresentation of not true biblical emotion that the Lord is giving, but emotionalism to get a response from people and things cause people to push away the workings of the Holy Spirit. Anyone ever been there? Yeah. So a little bit of my story. 1996, I'm a 15-going-on 16-year-old guy. There is a great move in the United States of the Spirit of God. A great move. And like strange things start to happen. When I mean strange, if you think things here are strange you haven't yet seen, I mean strange, like there are people with cavities that now have gold-filled cavities. And you're like, yeah, whatever, Dave. No, I mean like people I know. People that like would not lie. I had a silver cavity and now it's moved to gold. And it's like, well, what's the point of that? You know, there's all this weird stuff going on. People roaring, people shuddering in the presence of God. Gold dust and feathers falling during worship services, you're like, there's no way that there would be like a feather on a bunch of different people when we're inside. Now, if you're like, well, what is the meaning of this, and what's the representation, why would God do that, and all that kind of stuff, uh, that's a great conversation. Uh, it's probably a conversation we should have during my office times. Because <laughs> I don't necessarily want to spend you know, 30 minutes talking about feathers, because um, that would just be, I don't know, not fruitful. But strange things were happening, and no one explained it to me. No one explained it really much at all to me. And so as a teenager, I became bitter. I became confused. What the heck is this all about? And so I went into my bedroom. I went into my bedroom alone. I read the scriptures on the Holy Spirit. I read the book of Acts. I'm trying to understand what's going on. Uh, And I asked the God to reveal to me, like, the truth of the matter. I was alone out of the sense of emotionalism that maybe was happening. I read and studied to show myself approved of God's word and what was going on. And then I asked him. It took some work. It took some work. I'm unsure about this, Lord. I'm confused. I need to read your word and I need to get some understanding and some learning And now I need to ask you, what is happening? And I asked him. And when that happened, as a 156 year old boy, I'm in my bedroom, and the Holy Spirit came in my room. There was such a presence of the Lord that I could not get up. It was on my face. The presence of God was thick, because I asked. And the reading of the Scriptures cleared my mind. Oh, it is biblical. Oh, these are examples. All right, I can get rid of my preconceived notions and my control, and I invited him, and he came. Um, he came in so so thick and heavy that I, um, I couldn't get off the floor for a while. I began to speak in tongues, and the Lord really showed me things, but that happened when I read the Word and when I asked him. And so, what are some of the the complexities to all of this? What happens here is there are essentially five different doors that we can walk through when dealing with things with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And they're all doors that we have seen or experienced. Example Door four. All right, this guy seems to be doing all this emotional Holy Spirit stuff because, you know what? He just wants my money, he's manipulating a crowd. He's trying to get this emotional thing going. Anyone ever have that thought pop up in your mind when dealing with the Holy Ghost kind of stuff? Only three of you? Wow, you guys are are awesome. Sometimes that's been our experience with the Holy Spirit. This guy's using manipulation. He's using some kind of charlatan practices. Because, you know, he just wants to get paid. This is his living. He's trying to create this kind of thing. Uh, The next door uh, is the one of force and coercion. The one where, like, you know, the guy was pushing on my head a little too strongly for me to go down phenomenon. You guys ever experienced that one? (laughs) Now, I'll be honest. For praying for people, to to safeguard some people, sometimes when you're praying for people, I mean, the Holy Spirit is, is on you praying so heavy that you're like, you know, it's not that you're pushing, but like you're like there's there's an intensity that's there. But come on, that's happened. This is force for, of correction. My personal favorite is like, son, you know, just start babbling with your lips, and then the speaking of tongues are going to happen. Hey guys, ever have that one? It's like, okay, so just repeat after me. You know, go blah blah blah. But and then you know now you have, <laughs> dang. Now, that's not going to happen here for a lot of reasons. Uh, One is not going to happen here because you guys don't pay me enough to make a living. So (laughs) I don't need your acceptance for me to pay my bills. (laughs) That's kind of a joke, but true. Board members. Cynthia's giving me the evil eye back here. Now, what I'm trying to say here is that this, this is a place where we're not, you know, in all, in all joking aside, you know, I'm making light of that. But this is not a place where we're looking to uh, do force and coercion to try to manipulate and create a response. We don't need that. We don't want that. And we're not even tempted to do it because there's like 40 of us here. And we're not on TV, guys. You know, it's like, what, what, like we, we, we have no motivation there's no motivation here to try to coerce and force you for some kind of response so we could put another wing on the building or something. Okay? We just don't have that here. Praise God. And we're not going to ever have that type of desire to force and manipulate. Okay? Uh, we were just not. But some of us have experienced that. All right? Uh, next one would be the abuse and emotionalism, uh, which we were you know, kind of talking about, which kind of goes in hand. It could be an abuse of power. Uh, it can be abuse of manipulation uh, of like you're not good enough because you know you're not feeling this right now. Some of us have experienced that. And that's why this stuff needs to be laid out today so that we have a common ground in understanding what's going on. So if this has happened to you four, three, two, a lot of times one happens. This stuff is crazy. I don't want it. This is crazy. I don't want it. Manipulation, coercion, force, something doesn't feel right. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. But what we have here is, guys, uh, there is a fifth door, isn't there? There's another option. Now, before we get into that fifth door, what has a tendency to happen is this. Without the power and manifestation of the Holy Spirit in you, in a body, in a church, a lot of times what happens here is people will default to what we call the social gospel. The social gospel originally, when it occurred in about 1910 in America, uh, was actually done in a very beautiful and good way. And that was like we have a moral, ethical, and spiritual responsibility to take need, to take care of the needs of people. Because the Lord himself says, like, those that are thirsty, give them water. Those that are naked, clothe them. And so there was like this revival that took place. Like, hey, people, we can't just pray. You got to go out and you have to do something for the Lord. And take care of people's spiritual needs and physical needs. It's a very beautiful thing, but what happened over time? is that sometimes, now, without the leading of the Holy Spirit, without an anointing of the Holy Spirit, without the boldness and power and understanding of the Holy Spirit, churches default to a social gospel role. Well, where they do is they now just really do that. Their focus is to take care of the physical needs of people. That's cool. It should be a focus, but it should not be the focus. The focus is bringing the kingdom of God in power to planet earth. When we do that, we also take care of the physical needs. So what has happened is this. Because of the charlatan, because of the manipulation, because of the coercion, because of all these things, people have chosen to go down the door one. Door one of this is crazy, I'm not going to do it. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to do and be a good person and treat other people and help other people. But that kind of mentality does not bring revival to the nation. It doesn't change a generation. So the fifth door. Okay, well, what does God want? What does his word actually say about these things? And this is going to be hard for many of you. Because many of you, with all due respect, have been burned. You have been burned. And your defenses go up. You stay in door one. I don't want to deal with the craziness. No, 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 no. And I understand that. Because that's the way I was feeling when I was 15. And not to gloat or not to be prideful, I made a choice. I got alone. I went in my bedroom. I read the scriptures. And I asked. I asked. So, five, what does God want and what does his word say? John chapter 10, verse 22, says Jesus breathed on them, the disciples, and they received the Holy Spirit. A lot of people will use this scripture verse to say, see, when you accept the Lord, you receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. Absolutely. 100%. Jesus went to disciples in John chapter 10 in the middle of his ministry and breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord and says that he is Lord is revealed that truth by the Holy Spirit and they have the Holy Spirit in them. Okay? But in Acts chapter 1, which we read, this is the Lord saying, for John... Truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, for the theology of things. In John chapter 10, they receive the Holy Spirit. That's earlier. Jesus dies, is resurrected, comes to the people later on. Later. 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 And then he says, okay, you've received the Holy Spirit, but not many days from now you're going to be baptized. Now, we have to say this and we have to break this down because there are some theologians in here uh, and people here that have listened to certain theologians that say, oh, you receive the Holy Spirit when you get saved and that's it. When the timeline events, it doesn't show that. You receive the Holy Spirit, but then you are baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Uh, Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 8 goes on to say, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You get power. Now this is very, very important. Because this is the last time in the... Really, well, what, really what, last, yeah, it is the last time. Because it says right there, Jesus ascends to heaven. This is the last thing that Jesus says... What? I thought the last thing he says is, I will love you and never leave you. Now go out and make disciples. That's the last thing he says in the Gospels. The last thing he says before he ascends is you better wait, you better hang out here, because the Holy Ghost is coming with fire and boldness and power. Bye. He goes up. This is the last thing. He doesn't say, oh, I love you, my dear children. I want to be with you and all this. He says in the Gospels, but the last time before he sends heaven, I'm, I'm sending power to you. You already received the Holy Spirit in John 10, but now you got to hang out and receive the baptism in more power. It's the last thing he says to us. That's important. That's, uh, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the last thing he says to us is that. Wait for power. So, right now, right, Jesus is not here. <gasps> what? He's not here. You've got to get your theology right. Jesus is not here. He's not here. I'm going to say it again. He is not here. The scriptures say, He right now is in heaven on the right hand throne of the Father, petitioning and interceding for the saints excuse me the saints day in and day out he is in heaven who's here Holy Spirit is here it's very very come Jesus well, it, cool you pray that, that, that that's, come, that's, that's when the New Jerusalem comes right when he plants his feet on the Mount of Olives but Jesus coming to the room eh, not going to happen Holy Spirit's going to come into the room they're triune They're all together, right? But Jesus is not going to hang out in Bristol. He's in heaven because he needs to be there. Because I must go to my Father and I must intercede for you. And he will send someone with power. The Comforter, the Holy Spirit. So what does this look like? This is where things, you know, people get upset. And i got to speed things up here. Acts chapter 2 says that the Holy Spirit came in power and they spoke in tongues. The Holy Spirit came in power and they spoke in tongues. But that's not the only thing that happens. Because 1 Corinthians 12 says that the Holy Spirit comes and the spiritual gifts are prophecy, wisdom, I don't mean like wisdom and education or earthly sense. We're talking supernatural wisdom, where it's like on the on the on the verge of prophecy. It's not like I'm really smart now, and that's that's why I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit because I have a PhD. No, that's that's not the spirit of wisdom and, and knowledge that he's talking about here, which we've taught on in the past. I don't want to redo all that. So prophecy, wisdom, knowledge, signs and wonders. The reality here is this there is a manifestation that takes place. It's not just a feeling. It's not just a feeling. There is something that is manifested, tongues, prophecy, signs, wonders, miracles. It's not just, I have been, I've received the power of the Holy Spirit because I feel good. No. The scriptures are clear, there is a manifestation of some kind. That's the part that people get hung up on. But it's just the Bible. There is a manifestation, and it's for supernatural giftings, yes. Uh, it's also as a sign to the unbeliever. When you start giving a knowledge and wisdom and prophecy about someone, they're like, well, how do you know this? Because the Lord told me. What? He speaks to you? Yes. Huh? He speaks to me. Uh, and most importantly, uh, it brings a new level of intimacy. Now, this is really important. Uh, maybe we can have the worship team come on up. Um, A new level of intimacy. We have the Father, we have the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father, there are people on planet Earth that petition the Father, but they're not saved. Scriptures talk about them. There are those people who go to God, the Father, without going through the Son, There are good, well-meaning people I've met, that I love, that I cherish, that I adore, that love the Father. But they know not the Father, because the only way to know the Father is through the Son. To know the Son is to step into salvation, and it is then to also know the Father. To know the Father and to receive the Father or try to, can't be done unless you receive the Son, but to receive the Son, you now have eternal salvation. There are people who know the Father because they know the Son. But they have not gone to the next stage. That next stage being the Holy Spirit. The difference between knowing the Father and the Son is salvation. What's the difference between knowing just the Son, but also knowing the Son and the Holy Spirit? It is power, intimacy, and boldness on planet Earth. Intimacy brings revelation and power. And that is what happens when we receive and are baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see, we have been designed as a resting place for the Spirit of God to change every environment that we walk in. The Lord wants us to go out in power and go through power through you. The Scriptures say the kingdom is not just of talk, but of power. The Lord Himself says you will do greater things than me. How did the Lord do great things? The dove, the Holy Spirit comes upon him at the baptism of water and baptism of fire and then he goes out in ministry. If you want to do greater things than the Lord, you must and can only be able to do that when baptized in the Holy Spirit fire of God. We have all received the Holy Spirit when we call upon the name of the Lord, but you receive a baptism of power. Later on, when you wait and tarry for many days. In closing up some things here, I hope, because I know it's getting a little long. But I just, we need to lay this out because there's so much confusion. So I thank you for your grace and allowing me to go a little longer today. But it's very important because I'm telling you, things are going to get crazy here. We're going to do it in good order, but things are going to get crazy here. And we have to lay the groundwork. Understanding the intimacy with the Holy Ghost. Greater than the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Greater than tongues. Greater than prophecy. Greater than signs, wonders, and miracles. is The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. And when we engage the Spirit of God, there is a certain level of intimacy and understanding of who He is that is released. Amen? And that's more important than any gift is to know the Spirit of God in a more intimate way. And you see, when we encounter intimacy, things happen. Emotions are raised up. To be intimate is largely an emotional experience. You guys ever been in a church meeting where there's an altar call and someone comes down they accept Jesus into their heart and they are crying? They're crying, right? Have you ever seen that? Because they're having an emotional response because they've engaged in intimacy with Jesus. When that happens, are you crying? Sometimes. But sometimes you are. Sometimes you're not. So, when someone encounters the Holy Spirit, will there be emotion that is raised up? Yes, because they're having intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Will you receive emotion when that is happening? Maybe. But sometimes, maybe not. You guys can just lower it down a little bit. I kind of called it wrong. So, what happens when someone encounters... What happens when someone encounters the holiness of God? He is the Spirit who is holy, correct? So what happens when someone encounters the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of holiness. Well, the Bible tells us. Second Chronicles chapter 5. Verse 13 to 14 says this, the priests, the priests could not stand in the presence of God. They could not stand in the holiness of God. Leviticus chapter 9 verse 24 says that the priests shouted and fell on their faces This sometimes happens when there are people in the church that encounter the holiness of God. When the holiness of God comes, sometimes people fall on their faces. There's the Bible. People fall down in the presence of God. That's the Bible. But people say, but if he showed up, wouldn't, wouldn't we all fall on our faces? It's a good question maybe but could he just show up to one person and could only one person fall down sure if the Lord shows up we can all just fall down on our faces or if he shows up one person could fall down just like when the Holy Spirit shows up and one person gets saved but other people don't get saved why do one person not the other person it's just what the Lord was doing so when the Holy Spirit shows up and one person falls down, but another person is falling down, that's just what the Lord's doing. For my theologians out there, um, Jonathan Edwards and John Wesley, who are pretty much like people who like founded you know, Methodism and also Presbyterianism in, in, in some regards, um, they talk about this in their meetings. They actually say like Jonathan Edwards, Wesley... We're not necessarily like what you consider to be like Holy Spirit, you know, kind of driven people. Like, say, we would be preaching and people would shudder in the presence of God. They would fall. Now, Jonathan Edwards and Wesley are are preached at the most dry seminaries in, in the world. They're still upheld. They don't talk about that. What about the New Testament? All right, I gave you Older Testament examples. What about the New Testament? All right, Matthew chapter 17, verse 6. The disciples heard the Lord and fell on their faces. So there's a New Testament example. But, Pastor David, you see, every time in the Bible, when someone encounters the holiness of God, they fall forward. Has anyone ever gotten into that conversation with people? If you haven't, you can thank yourself, because I get to deal with people like that. The Holy Spirit and people falling down in worship can't be true, because in the Bible, people fell forwards, and in your church, people fall backwards. You're like, (laughs) are we really limiting God in which direction people fall? Because if that's the case, you got much bigger problems, man, (laughs) than, than your theology. But just to make you feel better, John chapter 18. The Holy Spirit shows up with Jesus and they fall backwards. So there's one example in the Bible where people fall backwards in the New Testament. I know it's. We got to. We have to do this. We have to do this in the church. This is what we call biblical teaching. This is theology. This is things like we need to get our ducks in a row. I know it's not all emotional or it's not all firing you up right now, but it needs to happen to create proper order in the church. To create proper unity in the church. And I have been saved since I was six. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit since I was 16. And I've sat underneath three, four, five, six teachers. And no one methodically broke these things down for me. So bitterness and confusion arose. We can't have that. We can't have bitterness. We can't have confusion. So we need to take our time to create sound doctrine. And so, with all this being said, we we may say, okay, Dave, but it hasn't happened to me. Like You explain an experience where you fell underneath the presence of God. It hasn't happened to me. You you, you say that the gift of tongues came unto you or prophecy came to you, but it never happened to me. I get it. But you and I cannot lower the standard of the Bible to your level of experience just because it did not happen in your life does not mean that it's not true and it's not what God wants for you. That's hard. That's really hard. But how come? Why? All this stuff happens. I get it, but do not let yourself go down into door one. That's what happens. People get offended and say, well, it didn't happen to me. And so then you start running to door one and say, this stuff is just crazy because it hasn't happened to me. Do not let, do not let that all bring you to door number one. Don't. If it hasn't happened to you, allow it to encourage you to knock on door five. You can take and say, well, I I haven't spoken in tongues. I haven't had any prophetic words. I haven't fallen underneath the presence of God or experienced it that way. I get it. Don't let it draw, draw you to door one. Let it propel you to knock. Does not the Lord say, if you do not know, knock? Knock on the door. And what is the knocking on the door? The knocking on the door is getting alone. Getting into your room. Read these scripture verses. Ask God, why has this not happened? I want to receive more of the Holy Spirit. And if it's real, if this is theologically sound, I need you to show me, Lord. Do not go to door one. Not yet. Ask first. Knock on the door. Some questions that you need to throw into all this. Door one is the door of this stuff is just crazy. All right, go hang out there. But door two is, oh, is it in the Bible? I just gave you a bunch of verses. I gave you a bunch. And you can do your own studies to see if it's in the Bible. Next question. Do you want it? No, no, no. You, you got to like really look internal and be like, do you actually want a baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because people will think you are crazy. You're going to go out, you'll be praying for sick people. And they will get healed, and sometimes they won't get healed. You're going to be going up to people in the parking lot and be like, yo, man, I don't know you, but I'm telling you, the Lord, God loves you. He just told me something about you. He just said that you... Do you want it? Another hang-up that sometimes happens is I don't deserve it. Too sinful, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve this But there is the fifth door. If you ask of God, he will give unto you more of the Holy Spirit. That's Luke. So, I hope that this laid some good theology down for you guys. Because things have been changing here. People are getting prayed for, they're falling down. Why are they falling down? Because they're coming into contact with the holiness of God. That's why. And you don't experience it or I don't experience it because the Lord is choosing in that moment just to do that with this person. I've been in church services where there is not one person standing. That happens too. So we want to be a place that is looking at the full Godhead. Amen? So why don't we stand? Why don't we pray a little bit here? So it is Shavuot. It is Pentecost. The Spirit fell in power. And I wanted to lay down this real, real true theology here. And biblical doctrine. So that people can understand. So there isn't confusion. I'm just, I'm just gonna call a spade a spade. Nine times of ten, this is what happens. I don't speak in tongues and I don't have the gift of prophecy. So what you are saying here is I'm not I'm not as good and holy as you. Nine times of ten, that is what happens. That's what people think. Oh, well, I don't do this, so you must think that I'm not as good as a Christian as you are, and blah 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 blah. No, that no, brother. That is the spirit of Cain made like the most ultimately manifested way. You are saying that your offering is not as good as Abel's. That is Satan speaking to you right now. It is like such a like blinking light, Satan, 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 Satan. Like, when you when when you walk in with the Lord, eventually you get to see like you're like Satan, alright, I know what you're doing. Get it, get it please so right now if in your head you're like well I don't speak in tongues I've never fallen underneath the presence of God I don't have prophetic words and, and dreams and all this kind of stuff Um uh, that, that, that the, oh what you're, you're just saying I'm not remove it right now right. because there's there's things in my life I don't have yet And all of us will never have all of it until we see Messiah face to face, being transformed from glory to glory. So we just remove that in Jesus' name. Father, we pray against the hurt of people, how they have received abuse, emotionalism, manipulation from pastors and leaders who push too hard or try to mimic and try to coach Father, we are here expecting a move from you. We come expecting on Pentecost Sunday say, Lord, we are here to receive an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a new way in this place. We want to know new levels of intimacy with you. We want a baptism of fire to be more bold and to know you more in deeper ways and to be able to be empowered to bring forth the gospel. And I know it's been a longer service, so if you need to go, please feel free to go. We have some refreshments downstairs, but I encourage you in your going, please, please, go home, read the word, ask God. Ask God if these things are true. And so have a wonderful week. But I also want to have a moment and a time for those people who have said, you know what, man? I have received the Holy Spirit because I believe in the Lord. But I've never had an encounter, a real manifestation as you explained from the Bible. We're gonna invite you to come down. But why? Why why are you having me come down? Because the one thing the Holy Spirit cannot stand is a man's control. And when you walk down here, you just entered into a place of lack of control. You've entered into a place of humility. Wow, people are looking at me. Are they judging me? No, brother. No, sister. Remove the spirit of Cain in this mist now in Jesus' name. No, we're not judging you. We're here to encourage you. Come, brother. Come, sister. Come into door number one. What does God want for your life? He wants to pour out the Spirit of God upon you in a new way. That's what He wants, brother. That's what He wants, sister. There's no judgment. So we invite you. Baptism of fire? Just think about that little six-year-old girl who's going to be going up and get receiving baptism of water on June 10th. Tell me that's not daunting. The six-year-old can do that in water. You can come up here and get some prayer. But I don't want that to be manipulation of coercion or force either. So it's a delicate line. So what we're going to do is we're just going to engage in some worship here. We're going to end service, but if you would like prayer... for fire of God, for baptism of the Holy Spirit, we just want you to come on down and we'll pray for you. Jesus. And now we will also invite right now If you, if you just also want a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, if you're just like, hey, you know, I, I, I've had a baptism of the Holy Spirit, I've, I've encountered that, but I need a freshness. I just, I just want to, I want to go into another level. I want to go to another place. We just invite you to come on down too, and we'll pray for you. Amen, and have a wonderful Shavuot, have a wonderful Pentecost, for it is a holiday today, <laughs> a holiday of rejoicing that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords shed his life for your salvation, but also to bring the comforter to you. If we can have some people come down and pray for others, that would be wonderful.